We're going to read uh, the first 18 verses or so, Genesis chapter 6 in your Bibles. And as I mentioned, if the Lord uh, wills it today, I'm going to preach all day today on, on Noah. And, uh, and so tonight I'll preach on a good pattern for the home, and we're going to use Noah as our example. And this morning I want to talk to you about what I'm going to call the ark experience the ark experience. Now that, what you see on the screen there is actually what they call the ark encounter. And I haven't been. Some of our folks have been. And, uh, and I've heard it is uh, fantastic. And I thought, Lord, this would be a great time while I'm preaching this message to just go ahead and plan an activity, an adult activity, uh, for us to go and uh, do the ark encounter. And so we might do that. We might try to get something together and see if we can go uh, up there and experience that. I've heard it's wonderful. I know some of our people have been up there. Genesis chapter 6 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us this morning. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. Verse 4 says there were giants uh, in the earth in those days. And the word giants there is the, the idea of, and, it, and the, the word giants there actually means ferocity. It's uh, the idea of ferocious men. It means this, it means bully. You've heard of some uh, of people being a bully. That's what it means. It was uh, men that were just violent, just ferocious, uh, giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of, thought, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he'd made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for repenteth me that I have made them. But I love this, verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And aren't you glad, church, that in these days in which we're living, these turbulent days, aren't you glad that we can find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Amen. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Notice verse 11. The Bible says the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Verse 13, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Twice the Bible says that, that the earth was filled with With violence. Interesting word there, the word violence. The word violence in your Old Testament is the Hebrew word Hamas. And uh, I read that this week, studied that out this week, and I love to do word studies. And I I, I, I studied that out and I thought, wow. Did you know one of the reasons that we're having so many problems in the world today is because of a group by the name of Hamas. Hamas. Uh, by the way, uh, no mistaking that they named themselves that word, and uh, uh, it means violent. Uh, and that's what was going on in, in Noah's day. Just the earth was just filled with violence. Verse 14, I'm interested in verse 14. 
And he says to, to Noah, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. And we'll get into that in just a little bit more specifically tonight. But I want us to understand something, that this was not just some kind of little raft that Noah, uh, that Noah constructed here. You understand, and, and different uh, scholars say different things here, but you understand that, uh, that assuming the cubit to be 21.888 inches, that means the ark, the ark would be 547 feet long. Now, that's much longer than a football field. Uh, and that's how large the ark is. 91 feet, two inches wide. That's three times the width of this building. Uh, and 47 feet, two inches high. And so this was not some little project, some little craft, you know, that God had Noah put together. This was a major, major construction project. Uh, look, if you will, at verse number 15. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and, uh, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. I'm going to get into preaching here in just a moment, but it's just good for us to know this. And so I'm not against these little baby pictures and things like that, but I want you to understand something that while the, while the ark was floating, there weren't little giraffes that had their necks sticking out, you know, ever so often. And, you know, elephants were very cutely walking on the, the top of the ark. That's not scriptural at all. There was one window in the ark, one. Amen. And that was above, the Bible says. Uh, and so the Bible says, A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit thou shalt finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood, a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. In verse 18, I'm interested in verse 18 as well. But with thee, well, I'll establish my covenant, and thou, notice this phrase, and thou shalt come into the ark. Can you imagine? Now, I know some of our folks have been here, but can you imagine walking into the actual ark? Can you imagine that? But thou shalt come, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. You may be seated this morning, and I want to take just a few moments and I want to preach to you a little bit or teach to you a little bit on what I'm going to call the ark experience. And so we're going to try to give you some, uh, some content here and then we'll bring a few closing remarks uh, about the message. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, we thank you for the good service you've given us today. And thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary. What a joy to be at Calvary Baptist Church. Lord, what a, what a privilege to preach uh, at a, a church that's been planted out of Calvary Baptist Church all the way across America last Sunday. It was a privilege and an honor. But God, it's so good to be back in my pulpit today. It's so good to be back with my folks today, our family today. And there's no place like this place, no place like Calvary. And I just want to thank you for the wonderful folks that you've given me the, the privilege of pastoring. And God, I thank you for this opportunity to preach. And Lord, the last thing in the world I want to do right now is bring dishonor to you. And the, uh, the other thing that I least want to do is to is to bore this crowd. I want to be a help today. 
And so, Father, I pray that you'd give us power now to lift up the name of Jesus. And I pray that you'd give us power to be a blessing, to be interesting. And I pray that you'll use the message to speak to someone's heart in a great way. And, Lord, if there's one here today that needs to get on the ark, Lord, if there's one here today that needs to come to Christ and they've never made that decision, I pray today will be the day that they'll come to Jesus. Father, we pray for your power, your blessing now. Please, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. I want to draw our attention once again back to two verses, verse number 14. The Bible says, God is speaking to Noah, make thee an ark. Man, can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that project must have looked like? Just the scope and the grandeur and just the, uh, man, what are some words? I mean, just the largeness of the work. I mean, I, I'm just, you know, and, I, and again, I, I don't want to get into the message early this, uh, to, for tonight, but no cranes, no power tools, no, uh, no hydraulic lifts, no, uh, no, nothing like that. Uh, what, a, what a feat here that God uses Noah to complete. Verse number 18, but with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark. And I'm, I'm thinking about that, coming into the ark. And the Lord gave me this thought the other day. Can you imagine walking into the ark? You understand today that there is a very good chance that Noah and his immediate kin were not the only ones that had ever been in the ark. Now, I want you just to give me just a few moments as we build on this thought today. What do you mean, preacher? Well, we know that Noah and his family were the only ones saved by the ark. The Bible's very clear about that. But there's also a good chance and a good likelihood that Noah was not the only one and his sons and his sons' wives and his wife were not the only ones that had ever been on the ark there's a very good chance that others as well had seen the ark, had been on the ark. For instance, there's a very good likelihood that Noah used his family to help build the ark. Uh, the, the Bible talks about Noah's grandfather, by the name of Methuselah. And the Bible says that Methuselah, according to Genesis chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, Methuselah, Noah's grandfather, died the year the flood came. And so that means that Methuselah lived all the way up until the year the flood came. Now, I don't know about, you know, I don't know how your family is, but if my grandpa was still living today just knowing the kind of man that he was and, and God gave me some kind of a great work to do, I guarantee my grandpa would have jumped in and helped me. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, my grandkids, if my dad had some kind of a major thing that he needed to do, I guarantee you he could call our kids and our kids would be over there in a heartbeat trying to help my dad. And so uh, Noah's grandfather is alive up until the year the flood comes. And so I'm just guessing that, that, uh, that there were days when Methuselah was there. He's a very old man, but God evidently gave him, uh, you know, gave him a strength. And so I can see Methuselah there's maybe helping carry things. And maybe Methuselah is helping pitch the ark on the inside. Or, uh, you know, maybe Methuselah is, is helping get some of the things together, ready to feed the animals and all these kind of things. Uh, but then I thought about this. The Bible is, uh, tells us that Noah's father, Lamech, died five years before the flood came. And so according to Genesis chapter 5, verse number 30, uh, Noah's daddy lived. 
right up until, I mean, just five years before the flood came. And so don't you think probably that Noah's dad was there? I can see Noah's dad swinging a hammer, Noah's dad using a saw. And, and so there's a very good chance that some of Noah's other family members, not just his sons and their wives and his wife, but there's a very good chance that Noah's family helped on the ark. Also, there's a very high possibility that Noah solicited the help of heathen people to help build the ark. Now, I never thought about that before. Had never given that thought. Uh, when I've ever preached on the ark, I've always thought about Noah and his sons. You know, I can see their wives bringing them lemonade, you know, and, and, uh, and all that. Probably their wives were working on the ark with them. Uh, but I, I've always, in my mind, I've always thought about Noah's working and, and uh, Shem and Ham and Japheth, they're all working and swinging hammers and saws and carrying lumber and toting pitch and all these kind of things. But you understand that there's a, a very good chance that Noah hired heathen people to help him build the ark. The Bible doesn't say anything about it, but the Bible doesn't say he didn't do that. Um, and so we have, a, we have several, several business owners here today and not all their employees are saved people. Uh, some of their employees are lost. Some of their uh, employees are definitely not, not living for the Lord and yet they come in and provide a good day's work for a good day's wage. And so now again, I want you to follow the truth here. There is a very good possibility that there were other people other than Noah and his immediate kin that had helped with the ark. So that tells me this. They knew how the ark was made. They knew what it was made of. They helped carry the wood. They helped mix the pitch. They helped maybe pitch the cracks. They knew, uh, they, they, they had been on the ark. They had touched the ark. Can you imagine actually touching the actual ark that Genesis chapter six is talking about? They watched the construction process. And then I, I thought about this. No doubt the ark then was a tourist attraction like the one is now. There are thousands of people that are visiting the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. I believe that's where it is. Who are visiting the Ark Encounter because it's just, it's just not something that you see every day. Now, wait a minute. You understand back in Noah's day, as far as we know, it had never, ever rained. And here Noah is building this huge ark, longer than a football field. Don't you think, folk, that folk were curious and people came? Now, they may have called him crazy Noah. They probably did. They said, Noah, don't you know it's never rained and here you are building this huge boat and, uh, and, and, and so uh, maybe they didn't believe in what he was doing but no doubt they had come to see the ark and no doubt many people had visited the ark and probably some had walked in it and probably some had walked through it but this is my thought this morning. But when it came time to get on the ark, they refused. They had seen it they had touched it. They had helped build it. They had been on it. They had heard about it. They had maybe walked through it. But when it came time to get on the ark, they refused to get on the ark. They believed it was there. Now think about this. Stay with me. They believed it was there. They were knowledgeable about it. But they never accepted it as a means of their salvation did you know what the ark then is a picture of now? It's a picture of Christ. Absolutely. The ark then is a picture of Christ now. For instance, the ark was provided by God to save sinners. 
And guess what? God provided Jesus Christ to save sinners. The ark then was, uh, was a limited time offer. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 20, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was, pre uh, was preparing. In other words, the ark was a limited time offer. You better get on it while you could. Uh, but, uh, uh, and, and the Bible says in Genesis chapter 7, verse number 4, for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off, off the face of the earth. Did you know also that Jesus Christ is a limited time offer? Did you know, did you know that you don't get saved on your time, you get saved on his time? And somebody says, well, preacher, I'll get saved when I'm good and ready. You may never get saved then. Because you know what? The Bible says, except the Father draw them. And if God is speaking to your heart today and God is saying, boy, you need to get saved. You need to give your heart to Christ. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you reject that, did you know you may never have another opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? The ark was a limited time offer. Jesus Christ is a limited, a limited time offer. How about this? There was only one door in the ark. Justice Christ is the only door. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse number nine, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Brother, there's not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven. And that way is Jesus Christ. Jesus did not say, I'm one of the ways to get there. Jesus said, I am the way, definite article. I'm the way. I'm the only way. Uh, somebody says, preacher, what about a Muslim? A Muslim must come through Jesus Christ if they're gonna go to heaven. Somebody says, preacher, what about a Jew? A Jew must come through Jesus Christ if they're gonna go to heaven. Somebody says, preacher, uh, how about a Catholic or a Baptist or a, a Pentecostal or, or Church of God? I'm just telling you, brother, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your label is. I don't care what, uh, what color your skin is. I don't care what country you come from. Brother, the only way you'll ever get to heaven is through one door and that door is Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He is the only way. But wait a minute now. But now, just as then, people heard about the ark. Well, people have heard about Christ now. Uh, they, they, uh, back then they heard the preaching. Noah, the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness, but they refused. They've heard the preaching today, but they refused. They have been given an, an invitation to come on the ark just as they've been given an invitation today, and yet they refused. Today they hear about him on the radio. Today they hear about him on television. They've been given gospel tracts. They live in neighborhoods where there's local churches that are filled with people that are sharing the news about the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that preach a message that Jesus saves. They've come many times. They've even come into our churches and they've heard the message and yet they refuse to come aboard. They refuse to give their life to Jesus Christ just as they refused to get on the ark back in that day. And I'm just thinking, my soul, what in the world? I mean, you felt the ark. You touched the ark. You were on the ark. You helped build the ark. You saw the ark. You heard about the ark. It was there. It was right in front of you and there was your salvation. Then you could have gotten on it, but yet they refused to get on the ark. Why is it? And, and that's my, my thought today. Why is it that people refused to come inside the ark? Can I just give you, can I give you several thoughts today? How about this? Number one, I wrote this down. Number one, procrastination. Procrastination. Would you look, if you will, at Genesis chapter seven, 
and verse number 11. Genesis 7, verse number 11, one chapter over. The Bible says in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. You know why some people never got on the ark? You know why? Because they procrastinated. They just waited. They waited. Man, they waited to see if this was really real. I'm going to wait and scope this out a little bit. And I'll tell you what, if it starts raining like Noah says, uh, when it does, man, I'll run to the ark and I'll jump in that door. And, uh, uh, man, I'll have plenty of time and uh, no problem. And here's the problem, brother. When the floods came, they came. Do you know that? In fact, the Bible says this, that it wasn't just the rain that flooded the earth. The Bible says that the great deep was broken up. Now, listen to me now. Can I tell you why the ocean stays where the ocean is? Can I tell you why? I'm going to give you a great nugget of science, science knowledge here this morning. Can I tell you why the Atlantic Ocean stays where the Atlantic Ocean is? And we visited the Pacific Ocean this week. Can I tell you why the Pacific Ocean stays where it is? Can I tell you why? This is going to help you. This is deep. Y'all ready? It stays there because God tells it to stay there. That's why it stays there. You say, oh, come on, preacher, listen to this. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter eight, verse number 28, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. In other words, when God created the earth, God said, now Atlantic Ocean, you stay right there, and Pacific Ocean, you stay right there, and Indian Ocean, you stay right there. And Mediterranean Sea, you stay right there. But the Bible says this, that when the flood came, that God allowed the ocean to leave its place and the ocean began to come, began to come a land. Listen, it was, like a, it was like a huge tsunami that began to come on the land. And people waited and waited and waited and waited. And when the floods finally came, you know what happened? They didn't have time to repent. They didn't have time to get on the ark. People today say, you know what, <coughs> preacher, one of these days, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wait, and I'm going to see if what you're preaching is really true. And, uh, and if that trumpet blows like you say it's going to, and Jesus comes like you say he's going to, what I'll do is I'll believe real fast, and I'll get on my knees, and I'll say, Lord, I believe it. I, I didn't do anything before, but I believe it, and I want you to save me. Guess what? That won't happen. Did you know that? Did you know before you can get to your knee, the Bible says it'll be done? Did you know the Bible says the coming of the Lord will take place in the twinkling of an eye, faster than a blink, Faster than a second, brother, the rapture of the church will come. The trumpet of God will sound and those that are saved will be gone before you can clap your hands together. There'll be no time to call the pastor. There'll be no time to drive to the church. There'll be no time to get on your knees and ask Jesus to save you. I'm just telling you, brother, before you know it, it will be done. It will be done and you'll be lost without Jesus Christ. And listen, if you're here today and you have never been saved, today you ought to make the decision, I'm giving my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna wait. I'm not waiting till next week. I'm not waiting till next Sunday. I'm not waiting till next year. Today, today, I'm going to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We were out there out west this week where Brother Zach and Miss Amber and some of you folks have been out there. You know what I'm talking about, man. It is. It's dry, 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 dry. I uh, kidded around with our Sunday school class a little bit this morning. They said y'all had rain almost every single day last week and a lot of it. 
And, uh, and I told him, I said, yeah, it rained in California while we were there. About five seconds. It rained about five seconds. And that wasn't even a rain. It just sort of misted just a few seconds and just enough for Zach to cut on his windshield wipers once, and that was about it. But also out there, it's just dry as a bone. I mean, just dry. And when those wildfires come, uh, it's amazing. In fact, we saw some of that while we were out there. Somebody, I don't know what happened. I don't know if somebody flicked their cigarette out on the side of the interstate. And all of a sudden, man, that fire began to burn. And then it jumps over here and jumps over there. And the wind blows it. And the firemen were all over, all over the side of the interstate trying to make sure they got the fire out. And uh, Zach's neighbors, back when they had a wildfire last year and it got pretty bad, Zach's neighbors came to them knowing that they were new there in California. And they said, now, Zach, they said, don't y'all wait too late. They said, this thing's getting pretty bad. They said, now, you need to pack your stuff up and, and, and you, y'all need to go ahead and leave. They said, don't wait until it's too late. Because the way this thing works out here, when that fire begins to burn and that wind begins to blow, they said that fire can spread so fast that it can get ahead of you and it'll keep you from, from being able to escape, escape alive. Now, wait a minute, let's zoom it out. People say, preacher, I, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to get saved. One of these days I'm going to give my life to Christ. And my point this morning is this, brother, if you keep procrastinating and procrastinating and waiting and waiting and waiting, did you know that it could be that you'll never come to Jesus Christ and you may wind up in a devil's hell one day? Procrastination. Why did people not get on the ark? Number one, procrastination. How about this? Number two, because of Priority. Priority. Uh, you'll notice, well, I'll not have you turned, I'll just read it for you. In Matthew 24 and verse 37, the Bible tells us about Noah's day. And it says this in Matthew 24, 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah, or in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood took them away so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, brother, they were so busy doing so many other things that you know what? Jesus and God just wasn't a priority. I mean, it just wasn't a priority. I know the flood's coming, but it's just not coming now. I mean, it's not coming now. We've got a little bit more time to party and we've got a little bit more time to, to do what we want to do and to live our own life. And brother, how many people are living like that right now where the things of the Lord and the word of God and church and Christianity is just not a priority. Well, preacher, I've got so many things and I've got to work and I've got to play and I've got to go fishing and I've got to go skiing and I've got to go skating and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to work on my house and I've got to mow my yard and this is my only day to rest and everything else is a priority and I'm just telling you, church, that there is coming a day when you and I will wish to God that we had made Jesus Christ a priority in our life and said, I'm gonna let this wait and I'm gonna let this wait and I'm putting this to the side because I wanna make God the first First thing in my life, priority. Man, the ark just was not a priority. And then I thought about this. Why is it that people didn't come into the ark? Well, I think it had to be probably some prejudice. Don't you think? The Bible says in Genesis 6, verse number 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible says these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And I just feel like in my spirit probably there were some folks who said, man, the last thing I want to do is get, get 
all cooped up with those bunch of righteous people down there. I mean, they're going to cramp my style. I mean, I seen Noah one day. I seen him wave his hand and say, whoo. I seen Mrs. Noah get happy one day and she just sort of waved her hand a little bit and said, glory. And I, I feel like probably there was a few folks that said, I don't want to get in that ark with a bunch of holy rollers. I mean, I, I don't want to go down there and get with those folks that are in love with God and in love with the Lord. And I'm sure that there were a few that said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm better than them. I'm better than Noah. I'm better than Mrs. Noah. I've seen her in the grocery store. Uh, grocery store. I've seen Noah out at Lowe's department store or, or the hardware store or Home Depot. And I'm better than them. I'm sure that there were a few. I just feel like this was probably the case. There were probably a few that never got on the ark because they said there's probably some hypocrites on that ark. And I'm not getting on that ark because there's a bunch of hypocrites down there on that ark. And by the way, a few more hypocrites won't hurt anything. Just come on. And people say, well, I'd go to Calvary. I'd go to Calvary, but there's some hypocrites down there. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you something, brother. Last time I checked, there's hypocrites everywhere. There's hypocrites at every church. And I ain't going down that church. There's hypocrites. Well, why don't you be consistent then and, and call in and not go to work tomorrow? You're right. Because there's hypocrites on your job and there's hypocrites in your school and there's hypocrites at your family reunion. And so I, I, I'm just saying, brother, you can make every excuse in the book, but you know what you better do? You better make sure you get on the ark. You better make sure you get on the ark. I'm sure there were some who said, well, if I go down to the ark, they won't accept me there. I mean, they, they probably won't, they won't accept me there. I'm just telling you, brother, the excuses are a dime a dozen. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you better get in. You better get in while you can. And so I think probably prejudice had something to do with it. And then I'm done today. But how about this? Don't you know? Probably pride. I imagine probably pride kept some folk from getting in the ark. There were some folk who just weren't willing to admit that Noah was right and they were wrong. You know the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Hey, listen, if you're here this morning and you haven't got on the ark, what do you mean, preacher, if you haven't come to Christ, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you ought to do it today. You say, preacher, I, I, I'm only 16. I'm only 17, 18 years old. I got plenty of time. You don't know that. Man, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds die every day. Man, if you've never come to Christ, give your heart to Christ. You know what will happen today if there's somebody here, and I just, feel like, I just feel like maybe there could be, if there's somebody here this morning and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, you know what you ought to do in just a moment? I'm going to ask you to come. And we'd like to take the Bible and just show you from the Bible how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Would you do, would you do that today? Would you do it? You say, preacher, I'd come, but you'll, you'll make me say, no, we'll not make you give a speech. We're not going to make you do anything like that. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have Brother Brandon in just a moment. He's going to stand up here at the front. And if you're here today and you say, preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm saved and going to heaven, I'm going to ask you to come. And if preacher's busy, Brother Brandon will be right over here. And we're going to just take our Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. We'll hope you'll make that decision today. Let's bow our heads this morning, if you will, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
I want to ask a question this morning. Number one, I, I want to ask this. I wonder, first of all, how many are here today? You'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm born again. I know that I am. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. There was a day when I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And preacher, I know that I'm saved. If you can honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up right now? Just slip it up. You can take it right back down. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Can I ask you this second question? Without anybody looking around, I wonder if there may be one here today. Come on now, and you'd be real honest. And you'd say, preacher, I'm going to be honest about this thing. If I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Preacher, don't get me wrong. I want to go. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. But I'm just not sure. I think I'll go. But I just don't know for sure. If that's you this morning, I want you to do something for me. I want you to just raise your hand so I can pray for you. I'm not going to come back and try to get you down the aisle. I just want to pray for you. And right now, you'd slip your hand up. You'd say, preacher, that's me you're talking about. If I died, I'm not sure. Would you pray for me? You'd raise your hand right now. Raise it real high so I don't miss you. I see that one little hand right there. Is there another? Is there another? Come on. Be honest. Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? All right. God bless you. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. Is there another? Is there another? Preacher, I'm going to be honest. If I died today, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. God bless you. I just felt like in my spirit, I felt like there was somebody here today that needed Jesus. Is there another right now? Preacher, if I died, God bless you, honey. Thank you. Thank you. I've seen that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Calvary, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. Is there one more before we pray? Is there one more? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one more anywhere? All right. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to be bold, okay? I'm going to ask you to make a, make a move in just a moment. In just a moment, we're going to stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Pastor's going to make his way down here to the main floor. Brother Brandon will be standing right over here to the pastor's right. And if you raised your hand today and you said, Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come. Just as soon as we end the prayer, I want you to come. And I want you to give your life to Christ. You say, Preacher, I've never done anything like this. I understand. But if you'll, if you'll take that first step, God will help you with the second one. So would you stand with us all over the house today, please, Father? I thank you that already you're dealing with hearts. And God, I pray that, God, I pray that you're about to do wonderful things. God, right now I'm asking you that you'll help some folks to just let go and let God have his way. Father, please help nobody to walk out of this church not knowing that they're on their way to heaven. Father, please help them to come. I pray that, that you'll help them to come. Lord, don't let the devil keep them back there in their seat today. Father, help them to come. Give them courage. Lord, please. 
and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Pastor's going to make his way to the main floor, and I want you to come right now. I want you to come, and we want to take the Bible and show you how to be saved, all right? Lord, I pray you'll help them now, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed. You make your way down to the front. We're here to help you. closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I raised my hand. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. All right. Now's a great time to come. Would you step out? Would you do that? Would you just step out and come? Would you let us take the Bible and show you how you can know? Would you do it? Come on. If you raise your hand right now, just make your way down here. Would you come? Would you come? Come on. Now's a great time. Pastor's waiting on you. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? Folks are in the altar. Folks are in the altar. How about you? Preacher, I want to go. I'm just not sure. Okay, man, don't wait. Don't wait. Would you come? Would you come while we wait? 